everything changes. Everything changes. First, uh, fashion changes. They say fashion's cyclical, don't they? It's true because the youths of today are wearing what I used to wear back in the day. But even then, in the changing cycles of fashion, it's still a little bit different, isn't it? Some things are tighter, some things are baggier, some things are worn higher up, some are worn lower down. Trends change throughout the years. Our neighborhoods change throughout the years. I now feel like my dad, when I drive around town, I say, oh, that son used to be a cornfield. I remember where this was all forest. That used to be a jewel Osco. Is that what it was? You know what I'm talking about. Throughout ages, moral standards change. Things are commonly accepted that weren't commonly accepted before. But perhaps the most earth-shaking, shattering one for me when this really settled in happened just this week. I have a, a few kids, and my middle son, Crosby, is five years old. If you've ever met Crosby, you've likely seen him with a hat on. But he came downstairs after waking up earlier this week, and he made a proclamation to Meg and I and said, Mom, Dad, I no longer wear hats. What? Everything changes. And I know this, and I know you know this, because think about Grandma's house for a minute. Think about your grandparents' house. You know, Grandma's house, that comfort of Grandma's house that brings that cozy, comforting, it's like a strange time capsule of a time long past. You know what I'm talking about? Every time you go to Grandma's house, do you remember, though, that first time you went to Grandma's house and something was changed? Maybe the wallpaper in the bathroom was different. And what is this? Or the antique cabinet was a little less full. Or the button board was off the wall. You've experienced this, right? You go and say, Grandma, this was not supposed to change. And yet, it changed. Everything changes. As the great theologian Bob Dylan once wisely wrote, the times, they are a-changing. And like with Grandma's house, we're longing for the comfort, the stability of something, of someone that doesn't change. Because everything changes. Oh, except one. And that is God. God is unchanging. And that is a deeply and profoundly comforting thing. And that's what we get to discuss today. Today in our series, God is, we are exploring the profound truth that God is immutable. Isn't that a fun word? Immutable? Why don't you say it? Immutable immutable. That's a weird word. I had to figure out why that's the word mutable in Latin, I guess. It means subject to change. So it's, it's, it's the same word we get mutation from, okay? So mutable, mutation. So immutable means it does not change. In other words, God does not mutate, okay? He does not change. He is unchanging. He is unchanging in his character. He's unchanging in his will, he's unchanging in his promises. We know and we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
How do we know this? We go to Scripture, which reveals this to us. With our first verse, Malachi 3, 6, where God is speaking, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. I think we can call it a day. There it is. I, the Lord, do not change. Don't clap for that. All right. Because of my clapter, you get at least 15 more minutes. Yay, I like that. What else? Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then Psalm 102, it begins like this. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Now, isn't that just amazing? Just think for a minute how much humans change. We grow. We age. Our hair gets longer and then gives up and leaves. We get wrinkles. We get taller. And then we somehow, near the end, get shorter. Sometimes we get wider. Sometimes we get slimmer. We take up interests and hobbies, and then we lose interests. We have likes. We have dislikes. Sometimes things we like, we no longer like. Our friends change. We change our minds. We make promises, and then we break promises. We are deeply, deeply changing creatures. But God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means there's no such thing as a separate Old Testament God and then a New Testament God. He is God, the same God, the unchanging God, which means all that God is, God is forever and always. That means all we are talking about in this whole series, he is to the utmost at all times. He always has been. He always will be. That you can take to the bank. You look back, and you see God always has been faithful. Always. Always. And then we look forward with trust that he forevermore will be. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. The same, perfect, holy, merciful, just all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, one true God. Can we think about that for a minute? That God doesn't change. He's the same. That means there's no before. That means there's no after with God as there is with us. That means the same spirit that lives in, in all who believe. It's the same spirit that hovered over the waters of creation. It's the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave. There's no, he used to be like that, but now he's like this. There's no getting better for God because he's already the most perfect of perfect. And there's no getting worse for he will not wear out like a garment, as the psalm says. In him there's no decay. There's no degradation. He alone is perfect in all his ways, and he forevermore will be. He alone is immutable. So with that in mind, knowing and believing God's word is true, 
and from his own mouth, God proclaimed he doesn't change. What about those times in Scripture where it appears that God changes his mind? You know what I'm talking about? Think, for example, in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 10 through 11 goes like this. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he's turned away from me. He has not carried out my instructions. He regrets. He regrets making Saul king. Does that imply he's changed his mind about Saul? That word, that regret, that's the same word used also in Genesis 6, way earlier, right? The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord, what? Regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So does this regret display a change of mind? Does it show change in God? Well, no, because in so many places already we've seen in Scripture and so many more, his word tells us God does not change. But also, his expression here, it's one of deep sorrow. It's not an admission of a, of a mistake or an error. God was deeply grieved. Scripture gives us human descriptions of God to try and help us understand that which we can never fully grasp. Because we know God's perfect in all his ways. So here, his expression of regret, it's not the expression of a change, it's the expression of a grieved heart. In fact, our first example in 1 Samuel, when he's talking about Saul, in that very same chapter, we get this, down in verse 29. Samuel is speaking here. He who is the God, glory of Israel, that is God, does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. The idea of God changing his mind does not fit when you consider all his attributes, namely that God is all-knowing. How can an all-knowing God who is eternal, who is outside of time, who knows everything before it all happens, suddenly realize that Saul is not fit to be king? It's not as if new information has come to light for God that God didn't already know. So God's mind hasn't changed. He knew this would happen because he transcends outside of time. He knows it all. But he also responds with us in time, for he is imminent, traveling through time with us. So just as when God created Adam and Eve, he saw it, and it was very good. But then they chose sin, we see what happens, and not long after, in Genesis 6, we see that only evil was on the hearts of mankind continually. The unchanging God, the Creator, saw the choices of His beloved created beings, and as the text says, it grieved Him to His heart. And yet, He's still the same unchanging God. God's character does not change. His morals do not change. God, in fact, does not change to any outside forces. Look at what it says from James, the brother of Jesus. He wrote this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Shadows are subject to something else, right? 
There's something causing those shadows, and they change based on that source. God's the source. He's the light. Nothing influences or impacts him. He is unchanging. So God never changes. But we do. We do. Saul had made some decisions, and so God responded. God knew, but he responded. We know we are not immutable. Like all of God's incommunicable—that's a hard word to say—incommunicable. You want to say that one? Incommunicable. There you go. Like all his incommunicable attributes, these only belong to God. They're only found in God. We have been changing throughout our entire lives. But let me ask you this. Have you ever told yourself or told someone else, I can't change? Right? You want to maybe start up a new habit or give up a bad one and you try for a few days and you fail and you, ah, I can't change. Or someone had a very tough chat with you, likely a spouse or a parent or a sibling. And they revealed some things in this chat with you about yourself where you're falling short or things aren't going well, right? And so what do you say? Maybe you say, sorry, that's just who I am. In other words, I can't change. Friends, there's only one who can't change. And it's not you. It's God. To believe we can't change is an utter lie from the very pits of hell. We can change. While we often utter that we can't change, or that that person will never change with great frustration, sadness, or defensiveness, Let's be honest and say, praise God that he alone can't change and that we can. Got a quote here from Jen Wilkin. This is from None Like Him. It's the book the Ladies Life Group has been going through. It's another long uh, quote, but it's dynamite. Just hear what, hear what she says here. Just as my assurance of salvation rests in the fact that God cannot change, my hope of sanctification, that means becoming more like Jesus, being made holy, rests in the fact that I can. What greater disavowal of the gospel of grace than to claim it's capable of changing every sinner's heart but mine? What greater egotism? No doubt, as unbelievers, we feel the hopelessness of our plight apart from grace. We rightly surmise that without an intervening miracle, we cannot change for the better. But when the miracle of grace has been applied to our hearts, change becomes gloriously possible. The unchanging one dispels forever the myth of human immutability, changing a heart that was once stone to a heart of flesh, changing desires that once sought only to glorify self to those that seek to glorify him. What a gift. What a gift. I mean, can you imagine staying how you are, where you are right now for the rest of your days? Like, does any, like, do you feel like you figured it all out? Do you feel like you worked everything out? Do you feel like you've reached perfection? Do you feel like there's nothing you're working on? You feel like you are at your peak right now? Your peak, my friends, and I love you dearly, but mine too, it's a complete pit compared to the heights of God. And only God can pull us out of that pit. Only God. Only God. How do I know? Because God had to send his son to die so that we might live. 
That's how I know. How else do I know? Because only God can pull you out of that grave with him. We can't do that on our own. By the grace and power of Jesus, we can't. Just as my assurance of salvation rests in the fact that God cannot change his promises, what he's done for you will never change as sure as sure. My hope of sanctification rests in the fact that I can because of Christ in me and through me. Praise God that for such, for, for that is such a comfort. It's a comfort that's laced with hope. It's a comfort that ought to propel us toward action. So what do we do with, when everything changes but God? When all around us is shifting sand, we place our feet firmly upon the only solid and unshakable foundation that is Jesus Christ. That's our comfort. That is our calling. At the end of the greatest sermon ever given by the greatest pastor to ever live, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our life, gives our guide on how to live for him. He says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Friends, everything changes but God. Everything shifts, but God. Everything will be swept away, will rust or decay, but God. In this life, you will gain friends. You will lose friends. Your health will improve. Your health will decline. Your wealth will fluctuate. But through it all, our God remains the same. In the storms of life, he is your unmoving anchor. He alone is faithful. His promises alone will endure forever. He is our salvation. So put all your hope in him. Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him because all else is sinking sand. You see how in this passage there's two builders. They both build. They both hear Jesus' teaching. They both experience the same circumstances in life. But one is called wise. And their house still stands. While the other is called a fool who loses everything, including their life. What's the difference? The wise builds their life upon the rock of Jesus Christ. So what's your foundation? It might appear strong. It might look pretty solid. But when the rains come, it's not Jesus, it's going away. Have you received the words of Jesus? Are you now seeking to live them out? Are you building your life on Jesus? Make him your foundation. Make him your solid rock for everything changes. But our God does not. In fact, may we embody what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, 
and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And then later, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? How does the knowledge then that God is immutable change the way we live? It reveals that outside of Jesus, the solid rock, we are sure to be swept away in the sinking sands of life. Instead of losing your life to the storm, find your life on the rock. May God be your rock. May God be your fortress. May God be your deliverer. May God be your refuge. May God be your shield. May God be the horn of your salvation. May God be your stronghold. For only God is perfect. Only God's word proves true. Only God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? same God, the same God, the same unchanging God that conquered the grave is the same God here calling out to you today, asking you, longing for you to put your faith, your hope, your trust in him. May none of us be like the foolish man who put his hope in things that fade and sink away. But let's together be wise build our lives on the one who gave us this life. Let's build our lives on the unchanging and the firm foundation that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. May it be so for each of us here today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Unchanging God, we thank you. We thank you that if we consider any human to say they don't change, it's a negative. But when we say you, God, don't change, it is a great proclamation of your glory and who you are. And so, God, we worship you today that you are who you are to the fullest degree. You always have been and you always, always will be. God, we thank you that we can put our hope in you, our faith in you, our trust in you, that we can stand firmly upon your word and believe that you are our anchor, you are our shield, you are our salvation, you are our life. God, I pray that your spirit, the same spirit that has always been, the same unchanging spirit that is present with each and every one of us, we call you Lord, God, that we might turn our ears to you. Our mind wanders, our thoughts wander, but you remain the same. May you be our guide. May you draw us back to you. May you inspire us and convict us to do the things you have laid out before us and remind us that our hope is found only in you. We thank you, God that you are the same. Because what a comfort, what a gift. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.